Mia Khalifa. If her name is unfamiliar to you, Mia Khalifa is a social media presence, a sports commentator, and a former porn star. She only participated in the industry for three months, but she ended up holding the title of most viewed Pornhub performer for that year. But she has only been paid $12,000 for her work, and her videos are still up today, even though she has tried time and time again to remove them. She's been getting more notoriety over the years by beginning to speak out against the porn industry and its exploitative nature. She has been interviewed by major news outlets, created podcasts and YouTube videos to explain her situation, and uses social media to promote these beliefs. Sometime in June this past year, Mia Khalifa posted a TikTok. In it, colorful lights flashed as she stared at the camera blankly from a bunch of different angles. The overlaid text read, that hourly disassociative attack from remembering hundreds of millions people's only impression of you is solely based on the lowest, most toxic, most uncharacteristic three months of your life when you were 21. Kendra Sunderland, an adult film star, responded to the TikTok on Twitter, saying, How the fuck does Mia Khalifa trend every time she whines about porn? Stop acting like the porn industry is a horrible and disgusting place because you chose to do it. To which Mia replied, I'm not against sex work. I'm against the way sex workers are treated, especially the young ones who want their lives back years down the line. To Mia's response, I raise a question. Can those two things be separated? Or is sex work inherently dependent on the mistreatment and exploitation of sex workers? And if so, what can we do about it? This is a complex question with a multifaceted answer, which is why it's one of the most popular conversations of modern feminism. Andrea Dworkin, a popular feminist writer and activist, wrote in her book Pornography and Male Supremacy that pornography can only develop in a society that is viciously male supremacist, one in which rape and prostitution are not only well established, but systemically practiced and ideologically endorsed. Feminists are often asked whether pornography causes rape, the fact is that rape and prostitution caused and continue to cause pornography. Politically, culturally, socially, sexually, and economically, rape and prostitution generated pornography, and pornography depends for its continued existence on the rape and prostitution of women. In saying this, Dworkin is arguing that pornography itself is sexual violence, and it's driven by male sexual entitlement, misogyny, and socialization into violence. But can this be backed up by statistics? Well, according to a 2010 study that analyzed 304 scenes from best-selling pornography videos, almost 90% of their scenes contained physical aggression, while nearly 50% contained verbal aggression, primarily in the form of name-calling. Targets of these displays of aggression were overwhelmingly women and either showed pleasure or neutrality in response to the aggression. So the thing is, because sex itself isn't as taboo in society as it once was, and there are plenty of depictions of sex in the media, there's very little exciting now about viewing two consenting adults engaging in sex. And because of this, there is an extreme demand for more and more hardcore content. A porn director that requested anonymity spoke on this in an adult video news roundtable discussion. One of the things about today's porn in the extreme market, he says, 
So many fans want to see so much more extreme stuff that I'm always trying to figure out ways to do something different. But it seems everybody wants to see a girl doing double penetration now or a gangbang. For certain girls, that's great, and I like to see that for certain people, but a lot of fans are becoming a lot more demanding about wanting to see the more extreme stuff. It's definitely brought porn somewhere, but I don't know where it's headed from there. So not only is this damaging to the expectations of engaging in violent sex that are now placed on non-men, but it is also damaging to men themselves. If men are engaging with aggressive porn content on a daily or weekly basis, it becomes harder and harder to derive sexual pleasure from plain consensual sex. These quotes and statistics are disturbing, but the porn industry is not going anywhere. It is estimated to be worth about $97 billion, which is more than the NFL, MLB, and NBA combined. And 40 million Americans regularly watch porn. So what can non-men and men do? On one hand, people take the view of Kendra Sunderland, and non-men decide to participate in the industry on their own terms. Non-male bodies are being commodified for male sexual pleasure right now, so taking control of that commodification is a viable reaction. The thought process is, if my body is going to be taken advantage of and sexualized without my consent anyway, just by existing, why not make my own money off of that? And that's beneficial, but mostly to one's own self. And it's maybe not all too helpful to the damaging nature of porn in society. So I propose that all of us that watch porn or do porn or engage in it in any way possible need to begin to brainstorm and propose ways in which we can begin to treat non-men in sex work with respect, kindness, and even the economic success that they all deserve.